please stand for the reading of God's word. Luke 1, 26 through 28. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come up on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Happy December. Happy Advent. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Um, I could list off all the holidays, but Merry Christmas. I think it's in this room the most fitting way to say it. Um, great to be with you all. Oh, Thorburns are here from Austin, Texas, everybody. That's fun. Um, sandwiching Miss Julia Patton. So it's, it's a great, that's a great threesome right there. Danny Pascal just providing support on the outside. This is great. Um, uh, can I just say, I'm kind of, I'm happy that I'm not talking about abortion today or <laughs> gender and sexuality or, and we get to go into an Advent uh, series uh, today. And I'll just say I'm selfishly happy about that. Um, but um, what we're going to do, you know, we're, we're going to spend some time just thinking about um, Christmas, of course, over the next uh, three or four weeks together. And our theme, you may have just seen it up there, our theme this year is Prepare Him Room. And that is a lyric. Uh, can anybody tell me what's, what carol is that from? Prepare Him Room. Joy to the world, right? Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare Him Room. And so we're going to talk about what would it look like to uh, prepare room for Jesus. Of course, not just in the Christmas season, but in our lives in general. It's a common Christmas theme, and appropriately so. And so I want to talk about that. And, and we've been talking a lot about the, the Laodicean church uh, from the book of Revelation. And I want to, I'll, I'll be talking about that as well throughout Advent. Um, Jesus had a message for that church that ends with this very famous line, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. It's a very beautiful picture of Jesus saying, I, I want to have deep connection and fellowship. Like the idea of eating together is a, in, in ancient Near East, it's hosp hospitality and connection and friendship. And Jesus was saying, this is what I want with you. But this particular church uh, had let other things get in the way. 
Uh, they were wealthy. They had a lot of opportunities, many good things. But in all of these good things, Jesus had slowly been pushed farther and farther out to the outside. And irony of ironies, Jesus is actually outside his own church in this passage, knocking, saying, guys, I, I want you to let me back into the center. And I think that is, it's so easy for that to happen in our lives, right? To have all of these good things, all these just life is full and all these good things, but slowly these things kind of push out the most important thing, Jesus himself. And so he can become something that's not right at the very center of our lives, but kind of is just sort of out on the, on the sidelines. And of all seasons, Christmas is the season where we, it's almost a cliche to say this, Jesus gets lost in the season, right? Everything's so busy and there's so many things and a lot of them are great things. Some of them are hard things, but it's so easy for Jesus to be lost uh, in the season, and that is a microcosm of our lives. And so what we're going to do this, this month is ask the question, how do we answer that call? How do we invite Jesus in? How do we prepare him room in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, certainly in this Christmas season? So that's what we're going to do uh, through December. Today we're going to look at Mary. Next week we'll look at Joseph and then just before Christmas, we'll look at John the Baptist and see how they, in their own ways, had to prepare room for the coming of the Messiah. So let's look at Mary today. Um, I love this story. Um, it's, uh, we, most of us know it so well, but it's so good. And so I just want to I, I take just a couple minutes just to imagine the scene, and then I want to talk about this theme of preparing him room. So, so I know this is familiar, but if, if we can, let's try to imagine this scene for just a moment together. Uh, verse 26 and 27, I think, sets the scene. Let me read it again. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Okay? So, the, so verse uh, 26 reminds us this story is, is just continuing a story that was already happening, a, a miraculous story that had started with Elizabeth and her husband, Zechariah. In this same age, uh, angel, six months earlier, Gabriel had come to Zechariah. And this angel then showed up in a place you'd expect an angel to show up in, which was the temple of God, okay? the most holy site on planet Earth in that day. That's where angels should show up. And he showed up to the kind of person you'd expect him to show up to, which was a priest, Zechariah, right? A, a holy man of God. And he shows up there and promises this, this miracle child for Zechariah and Elizabeth because they were advanced in years. They hadn't been able to have kids. And God promises you will have a son. And that, of course, would become John the Baptist. And I love that. So he comes where you'd expect to the person you'd expect. But I love that story. That story ends with Elizabeth with child and Zechariah without a voice because he challenged this angel and, and demanded signs for him. He's like, yeah, you're going to not talk for the next nine months until your boy is born, and, and then you'll see that I'm telling you the truth. Uh, now we have him, uh, <laughs> this angel, coming to a very different person and to a very different context. Right? He, he, now the angel shows up in Nazareth, and if you're wondering where Nazareth is, it's in the hill country of Galilee. Um, but Nazareth, another name for Nazareth is Nowheresville, Okay. It's Nowheresville. It's this podunk little off-the-beaten-path town. Um, we've all heard Nathaniel's words in John's Gospel, Nazareth, right? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Either, either had a bad reputation or just no reputation at all. Um, but it's, it's Nowheresville. And yet an angel, the sacred, shows up in the most mundane of places. And he shows up to this girl, and her name is Mary, but 
she's nobody. <laughs> she's, she's really nobody. Um, you know, most scholars put her in her mid-teens, maybe. We don't really know. Um, but she's, her lineage, she's not like Mary, the daughter of some prestigious person or line. Um, she's just described as a virgin. Actually, three times in this passage, she's described as a virgin, which normally we don't introduce people as virgins, but um, <laughs> that detail becomes, you know, important for the story. Um, that's kind of like, oh, I get it. She's a virgin. I guess that's all I need to know about her. Um, but she's nobody, right? She's a, she's a teenage Jewish girl growing up in Nowheresville in the, in the middle of this massive Roman Empire. And yet the sacred, this angel shows up to her with this amazing message. And I love that God shows up in these sacred moments. He shows up in these very ordinary, mundane places and moments uh, to this very ordinary girl. So um, this ordinary girl <laughs> gets one of the most extraordinary greetings in all of Scripture, doesn't she? Verse 28, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And again, verse 30, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Um, what, a, what a greeting. And I actually want to come back to that greeting at the end. Um, but she's taken aback by this greeting. Uh, she, it says she's troubled by that greeting. I think I'd be pretty happy with that greeting. But usually greetings like that probably come with some assignment from the Lord. So maybe that's why she's troubled. I, I'm not sure. Um, but this beautiful greeting to this very ordinary person. And then here's the heart of the message. Uh, I, I want to read it again, verse 31 to 33. And I, I want to ask, what would Mary have heard in this message? Like, we've had 2,000 years of reflection and theology, but like, what would Mary have heard in this message? Let me just read it again, verse 31. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Okay, this is the heart of the Christmas message. And what I, what I think Mary, as a teenage Jewish girl, would have heard in that is essentially Messiah. You are going to give birth to Israel's Messiah. Son of God, that, that, is, that is in the first century, that's messianic language. Um, the kings, David was, was called the son of God, and his descendants were the, the sons of God, were these kings that were to lead Israel. Uh, give, give, uh, he'll give, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, right? That's kingly language. Uh, his kingdom will never end. These are the promises that God made to David 1,000 years earlier to King David that, that God would have someone in his line rule on a throne forever. And so I think Mary, as a, as a good Jewish girl, would see that and she'd be, realize God's promises to Israel are finally coming to fulfillment. And oh my gosh, I'm going to be the mother of the Messiah, God's chosen one. His name is Jesus, which means the Lord saves, or as I love to say, Yahweh to the rescue, okay? The Messiah who will be Yahweh to the rescue. The, the Hebrew word is Joshua. Same, Jesus would have been known as Joshua in his day. And just as Joshua brought Israel into the promised land, this new Joshua would bring Israel into a whole different kind of promised land, salvation, save his people. So that's what she would hear, I think. And um, she has one um, practical question. 
uh, which it's a very appropriate question, verse 31. Uh, Mary asked, how is this going to happen since I'm a virgin? I, I see one practical barrier to this being fulfilled, uh, angel. She's not, I don't think, questioning things. She's just needing some more information. And, um, and she asks that, and she gets more information. And with this information, the story gets even weightier, I think. He says this, verse 35. Here's how this will happen. The Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Okay, here's how this is going to happen, Mary. A man is not going to come together with you to produce this child. The Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you. Okay, I don't know how she would have received that. But the Holy Spirit, who at the beginning in Genesis 1 overshadowed the waters of the deep, right? Hovered over the waters and then created life and everything that we know out of that. That same Holy Spirit will overshadow you, Mary. And so what will be in you will be a divine creation of God by his spirit of not human origin, but of divine origin, So that's the other reason he's going to be called the son of God, not just because he's Messiah, because he's actually God's son. A child's going to be born, Mary. Take this in as a 16-year-old girl. A child's going to be born. You're the mom. God's the dad. Son of God. Son of Mary. And I I can't even imagine how she would try to sit with that news and and take all of that in. Awesome. Um, Sounds impossible. Sounds miraculous, and the angel says, it is miraculous, and guess what? (laughs) Verse 36, even Elizabeth, your relative, right, is going to have a child in her old age. The miraculous is already happening. She who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail her. I learned it as nothing is impossible with God, right? I'm up to something, and this is going to happen. I'm I'm sure she's spinning. She has so many questions, uh, but in the midst of her question, she has this response that has become this, I think, iconic, right? Beautiful response. Verse 38, and this is really where I want to focus our time. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Right? I, this is wild. This is, this is amazing. But I, I'm God's servant. I, I belong to him. And um, I invite him to do in me, with me, what, what he wants to do. Like, I don't know what this looks like, but uh, I'm in. I, I made this happen. And she has no idea what saying that will entail for her life. She has absolutely no if I, if She probably couldn't bear, actually, if she could see down the, down the pathway of time all that this would mean for her. And she probably couldn't even handle it. She doesn't need to know it at this point. All she needs is in this moment to say, I'm, I'm the servant of the Lord. I'm in. I invite you to do this. Uh, I make use of me how you want. I am your servant. Um, may it be to me according to your word. It's a beautiful response. And so our focus this, you know, this Advent is prepare him room. Prepare him. And I think Mary is this beautiful example of someone who, who made room for the Lord Jesus. And in her case, that was uh, very, uh, literally, <laughs> she made room for Jesus in her body. And I was thinking of our Oh, I meant to show you this a long time ago. This is one of my favorite. I show this every, every year. Um, I love this image of, of Jesus and this angel of light. Um, 
But just a month ago, you know, I showed you this image, right? We were looking at the sanctity of life in the womb and thinking through just the, how, how life developed, the miracle of life in the womb. And think about, this is for Jesus or for Mary, that she literally made room within her body uh, for the coming of Jesus. And he began to grow inside of her. And, and this week, we, as a family, we... On Mondays, we do a little family devotional, and we were, were going through Advent, so I was taking the kids through this story, and we were imagining Mary, like, what would this be like to be carrying the Messiah, Son of God, in your, in your belly? And we were asking Mom, like, what was it like when you had the girls? And, and Mom talked about what it, what it felt like to make room, and how tiring that was, uh, and how beautiful that was, and what it felt like to feel them kick, and then to start pushing things, kind of moving things around, and how there are moments where there's this beautiful symbiotic relationship and there are other moments where it felt like a hostile takeover, you know, and <laughs> just this whole journey. But think about for Mary, like, I am, my body is making room for the, the, the birth of God's Messiah. And what's beautiful is, that, is that, that physical picture of making room really is what she did her whole life with Jesus. I mean, it's, it's like a, I mean, it's literal, but it's like a metaphor. And she would make room. They would make room in their house as Jesus was born. Uh, and grew up, but she would have to make room in her heart for his presence in her life, and all that that would mean, and it meant all sorts of things. For her, it first meant shame. It meant being pregnant out of, out of wedlock in a, in a you know, conservative culture, and then it meant danger as they had to flee and uh, escape Herod, trying to slaughter the, the kids, and it meant dislocation as they, had to, they became refugees in Egypt for a time. Um, it meant all sorts of things. It meant just dealing with this, this kid who kind of had his own way of doing things in the world. I mean, being just sort of frustrated at times and at her wit's end. Um, but it also meant joy and beauty and miracles, right? Miraculous things. Uh, his words of life spoken into her heart. Uh, it meant salvation. It meant loss. It meant all of these things. But what she was, she, she practiced, I'd use the word hospitality. There's a hospitality first in her body and then in her life to make room for the Messiah. And through all of that, she made room for him and she got to experience him in the fullness of who he is. And what I want to remind us of this Christmas is the gospel, which is this. What, what God did in Mary physically in placing his son within her womb Right? overshadowing her with his spirit and producing his son in her, the gospel is that's what God wants to do in all of us spiritually. He wants to overshadow us with his spirit, put his spirit upon us and place his son Jesus within us so that Jesus would live in our lives. That's what he is wanting to do in every human being on planet Earth. I was just thinking about scriptures that talk about this. You're familiar. This is how Jesus says it himself. This is one of my favorite images in all the Bible. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. This is a beautiful image of father and son and the love that they have, that, right, this love relationship at the center of the universe, wanting to come and make its home within us, alongside us, and actually inside us, so that we experience the love of Father and Son within our lives. That's 
what the gospel is all about. In fact, Jesus says that's what eternal life is. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That's the essence of eternal life, is having the God of the universe, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, living inside of us. Paul says it this way. God has chosen to make known to us the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is the mystery that Jesus Christ is in you. Mystery in the gospel in the gospels usually means a secret. It's something that God kept secret. And here's the secret. The Messiah never came to just dwell in a temple in Israel. The Messiah, no one knew this, but the secret is the Messiah actually came to dwell in the hearts of his people through his spirit. Just as he dwelt in Mary. So that's why he came, to dwell in all of us. That was a great, no one ever expected that. But that is what he is wanting to do. And so Paul is regularly praying uh, for his churches that they would experience this. I pray that God may strengthen you through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I want you to have this deep experience of Jesus with you and you would comprehend how high and wide and long and deep is the love of Christ for you. I want you to experience his presence with you and I want you to experience him forming himself, his fruits of love and joy and peace as he lives within you by faith, as you invite him into your life by faith, you would experience fellowship with him and his character would start to be formed in you. This is what the gospel is all about. We sing, I was thinking of this, this lyric, um, O Little Town of Bethlehem. The last verse says this, O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in, what next? Be born in us today, right? Be born in us. As you were born in Mary, so be born in us today. So that's the first image I want to give us this Advent season for today. Christ has come to dwell in the hearts of his people. And how do we prepare him room? How do we make room for him to do that? So what I want to do at the front end of December, I want to invite you guys into an Advent practice this year, okay, this, this December, uh, to prepare him room. And let, let me just take you back to this verse. This is the, the Revelation verse. This invitation from Jesus, right? I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. The, the Advent practice practices, what would it look like for you this December to accept that invitation and to invite Jesus in some fresh way into your life as you're currently experiencing it. Um, there's a, uh, not as a once and for all thing, like, right, like a salvation moment, like I invite you into my life, Jesus, I want to be saved, Th- though that would be amazing. But I mean, what would it look like to do that throughout the moments of your days this Advent season? Okay? And I want to show you, here's an image um, some of you are familiar with this. This is an old, old painting from William Holman Hunt. This was a, a 19th century uh, British painter. Uh, and it's called, the, the painting is called Light of the World. And it was inspired by Revelation 3.20. And it's Jesus the bridegroom, right? Knocking on the door of his bride, asking to be brought in. Um, you'll notice, if you can kind of see the door, there's some ivy growing over the door, um, which is his way of saying it. I don't think this door has been opened for a little while. Right, Ivy's kind of grown over this door. 
And the other thing is there's no door handle on the outside of this door. Um, it can only be opened from the inside, um, which, is, which is faithful to the words of the Revelation passage where Jesus is, is asking. He's asking, I, need you, I want you to open this door. Sometimes Jesus just barges in, right? Sometimes he just barges in. But his usual way, he's actually usually more gentle than that. And certainly he was with the church in Laodicea. He's saying, I want you to, I want you to let me in. And so the, the question I have for you is, what would it look like this December to receive that invitation and to practice it throughout your days? So here's, here, it's super simple. You're going to be like, you spent all week thinking about this, Dave? This is, this is cliche as it gets. But, but I'm five days ahead of you on this, so just bear with me. Um, here's the Advent practice. It's a simple prayer throughout your day, which is as simple as this. Jesus. I invite you into this moment right now. That, that's the practice. Jesus, I want to invite you into this moment. And the reality is he's already there, right? You're already here. Um, but I want to open the door to you in this moment. I want to make room for your presence in this moment. Lord, I want to receive your presence here. What do you, what do you have for me? You're with me in this moment. And so I'm just actively inviting you into this moment. And I want to give you, uh, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about my own experience over the last five days. But um, I'll tell you, when I, when I first started this practice a lot in my life was when we had early kids. And, um, and the reason was, uh, when I really uh, came to faith in college and throughout my 20s as a single guy and even as a married guy, um, my, my general practice would be to go out to Jesus, to withdraw from from my home or from a moment and go be with Jesus to have a quiet time, something like that. And I love being outside. Many of you know, I go out to withdraw to the backyard uh, or to go for a walk or just to get in the word, but to essentially to, to move out in order to be with Jesus. And then I come back to my life with kind of re-inspired. Um, when we had little kids, that was no longer possible um, because, you know, you go to work and you come home and then there's these little lives that I'm not, I, or I shouldn't withdraw from. And I'd love to go out and get out for an hour and go down to the beach, but that just wasn't a possibility. And I was exhausted, and it was beautiful, complex, full season of life. And I realized this season of life required a different discipline for me. And the discipline was, I can't withdraw. I mean, I could run, <laughs> but I'm not supposed to. And, and I, we had a great, I don't want to paint this in the wrong way. I love my children. But I learned... I needed a different discipline. And the discipline, the practice was, God, I'm exhausted after a day of work. All all I want to do is check out. I just want to turn on TV or I want to go into my bedroom and close the door or whatever. Um, But I can't. And so I I just invite you into this moment, into this really messy room and these really snotty kids (laughs) and into my fatigue and my frustration and my desire just to withdraw. I I can't withdraw. I I need to find you here because this is the stuff of my life right now, and I can't escape it, right? This is going to be the stuff of my life. And, and we all can relate to moments like that. I can't, I can't get away from this. I, I can't withdraw to be with you. Lord, I just need to invite you into this and know that you're with me in this. Um, so I've got a five-day head start on you. I've been doing this all week, and I just want to end with a couple of reflections. It's been interesting. Uh, for, it's been great to do this in moments of joy this week, and um, hasn't the weather been just remarkable? Um, so I, first thing I do, I get up around 6.15 and I take our dog out uh, around the block. And so I've been catching the sunrises or pre-sunrise. 
And it's just beautiful. And it's been great in that moment just to actively, Jesus, I want to invite you into this moment of joy. And then that moment of joy becomes actually profound gratitude. Um, we, we got our tree. We were doing the decorations Thursday night. We had Christmas music on, fire on. And normally that's all just kind of getting things done. But that was a great moment. It's like, oh, Jesus, I just want to invite you in this moment. This is, this is sweet. This is beautiful. Thank you for all the gifts that this moment represents for me. Um, I've had moments of sadness this week, and, and I'm walking with people who are in profound moments of sadness, uh, including my own wife. And so things pop up where I'm sitting across from someone who's going through really, really hard things. And it's been interesting to take a moment internally. Oh, Jesus, I just invite you into this moment. Um, you are the suffering servant. Um, you know suffering. I'm going to invite you into this moment of sadness. Um, I'm not going to try to fix it. I'm not going to try to avoid it. Uh, I just want to invite you into this. I've had moments of anxiety, which I always get on any given week. And those are great moments. Uh, okay, Lord, uh, I invite you into this fear. Um, I, <laughs> 30 seconds before I got up here, I did a little invite of Jesus. It turns out after 15 years of doing this, public speaking still makes me nervous. <laughs> and Lord, I invite you into this, this moment. Um, I've had moments of temptation, moments of guilt, moments of feeling inadequate. Okay, Lord, I want to invite you into that. I invite you into this moment. And I'll just say, it's been very interesting what has happened for me this week so far. Uh, I find myself less tempted to try to control situations um, or trying to fix situations or trying to escape situations. My, my temptation is usually escape, of, of the control, fix, escape. Well, I control through escape. It's kind of my <coughs> dual strategy. And I find myself um, s- kind of stopping that natural and going, no, I'm going to, Lord, you're present with me. Um, you're with me in this. And it's kind of calmed those voices that, that make me want to go in those directions. Uh, it's been interesting to think through what, what keeps me from inviting Jesus into things more often. And I'd be, I'd be curious for you, like, what, what keeps, I mean, this is sort of like practicing the presence of God, right? This is not a new concept. Um, but I was thinking this week, what is it that prevents me from doing this more often? And there are a couple things that came up. Uh, one is, there are certain moments that just feel so mundane. Like, am I really going to invite Jesus? Like, you, you show up at work, and you've, you've got some emails to write. Like, am I, am I going to invite Jesus into my emailing or my Excel spreadsheet? Um, you know, am I going to do that? And what I love about this story is, like, there's no, no place more mundane than Nazareth. Like, the, the holy shows up in all places. Um, every part of life is an opportunity to experience the presence of Jesus. But I've noticed that. It's, some things just feel too mundane. Uh, I've noticed one of the main things is I'm actually, the thing that keeps me from doing it is I'm afraid of losing control. Because there's certain circumstances that I know if I invite Jesus into it, I know he's going to want me to do something that I already know I don't want to do. I'm in an argument with my spouse, right? And if I invite Jesus into this, there's a good chance he's going to want me to apologize, and I don't want to apologize. <laughs> right? I'm, I'm going to make a purchase. I'm going to spend money in a certain way. And I know if I invite Jesus in this, he might be like, ah, that's probably not the best way to spend your money. Right? Like, ah. So uh, I'm afraid of losing control. I'm sure Mary was very afraid of losing control. Uh, but the last one, I'll end with this. I think the thing that, that can keep me from it most, and hopefully you relate to this, 
um, or also I felt really bad about myself, um, <laughs> is the reality of I know who I am. I know who God is. Uh, and for me, I, I know my inadequacies. Um, I feel those regularly. I think we all do in our various ways. And I know the holiness of God. I know his perfection and his, his amazingness. And, and I, I know all the blessings he's given me. And I know sort of the life that I'm called into. And I know the ways that my life feels profoundly inadequate and doesn't measure up to what I think it ought to be. And in that gap, I think there's just that, I, I just, there's probably some level of disappointment that he has or or, and so I just, I don't like that. And so, I, so intimacy becomes hard. That, that taps into all that. So I'd rather just kind of keep him a little bit at, at a distance uh, rather than invite him right into the core of things because that's going to trigger all those things that I know I'm failing on. And that is something that, that keeps me from more actively in moments invite, especially when I've really failed, you know, or I'm wanting to fail, if you know what I mean. Um, and so if that's you, I, wanna, I just want to end... Um, by going back to one thing in this verse, uh, this passage that was so beautiful, and I just want to end with that, that greeting that Mary receives and read it to you again and consider what the gospel is. So let me just read it. I'll, I'll end with this. Um, verse 28, the angel went to Mary and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And then again in verse 30, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. What a greeting. You are highly favored, little, little Mary. The Lord has found favor with you. And we, had, we were talking about this as a staff. We were debating, was, that some, was, that, was she favored because of this life of faithfulness she'd lived up to that point, that God saw something beautiful in her and favored that? Or was she favored just because God chose her and had this amazing thing he was about to do, and that's where the favor came from, and I don't even have a strong take on that, okay? But the gospel is this. <laughs> Those words spoken over Mary are now spoken over us because we are in her son, Jesus Christ, if we have put our faith in Jesus Christ. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, the gospel is this. There is now no condemnation, right? The gospel is... God has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in Christ. You've been chosen in Christ. You've been adopted into God's family. You've been forgiven. You've been given the Holy Spirit. You, you, you are an heir to eternal life. This is the gospel. You are highly favored. The Lord's favor rests on you. Okay? So let me just actually speak that over you one more time and see if you can take this in. Greetings on December 3rd, ye who are highly favored. This Advent season, don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. That doesn't mean he approves of everything you do, right? <laughs> that doesn't give you license to live however you want. But you are highly favored by God. And so whatever else that might do, hopefully what it does is it frees you in the moments of your day to go, Jesus, I want to invite you into this moment. I'm inviting someone uh, whose favor I have, who's the king of the universe, and whose, whose default posture towards me is one of love and approval and favor. That, makes, that kind of a person is the kind of person I want to invite into situations in my life. 
So the question is, what would it look like for you this week just to regularly practice that simple posture in the moments of your days? Lord, here I am in this moment, in this place, and I'm not going to try to fix this. I'm not going to try to flee from this. I'm not going to try to control this. Lord, I just invite you into this moment. I have your favor in Jesus Christ. Lord, what would you have for me? I want to be your servant. I want to do whatever you'd want me to do in this moment. So let's pray. And here's what I'd like to do. Um, we're going to sing two songs that really give us an opportunity to respond to this invitation and just to make room for Jesus and to, to trust him with our lives. But I want to encourage you right now, as, as you've heard this, this invitation to make room, to, to say, Lord, I invite you in, why don't you just identify one thing in your life right now, in, this, in December, in this Advent season, where God might be saying, <laughs> I want you to let me into this. Stop trying to do this on your own. Stop, stop holding me at a distance in this. Let me into the very center of this. Let go of control. Let me in. It's okay. I love you. You're forgiven. You're loved. I have good things for you. But you need to let me in. And let me do the work that only I can do. What would that be for you? It might be a relationship it might be something at work. It might be a, it might be a wound that you're carrying, a, a pain you're carrying, or a sin uh, that you're carrying. It might be a hope that you have that you're desperately wanting to come to fruition. It could be anything at all. But I, I invite you just to take a moment, and just we're going to give you 30 seconds of silence. It's just that simple prayer. Lord, I, okay, I, I don't want to keep you out anymore. It's time, it's time to let you in. And so I do. I, I let you in. I'm your servant. I invite you to do in me what you want.